Michelle Riplogel. Today I have a guest, Jack Mancarella. He is a home inspector. His company is American Inspection Service. And we're going to talk a little bit about home inspections. What are they? What are some things we're seeing now versus in the past? And a little bit about Jack. Take it away, Jack. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate the opportunity. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about the history of home inspections real quick, if you don't mind. Not at all. So back in like home inspections started early in the 70s. And at that time, they were doing maybe 6% of transactions. Um, and then in the, and by 2009, that jumped up to 80%. And a lot of this growth was California-led, mostly because of Lawsuits, basically. We are a um, yes. Yeah. So it used to be, you know, Uncle Bob drove by a job site. Now he's going to come into the house and tell you if it's good enough to buy. And so the industry has grown quite a bit from that, as you can imagine. Um, you know, years ago, too, it was all about walking around a property with a pencil and a paper and a measuring tape. And now it's very much electronic. Most things are done on even on cell phones or tablets. Of course, lots of photos, as well as great technology like thermal imaging, which is being able to see sometimes, if the conditions are correct, uh, thermal anomalies inside walls or under floors. The one caveat or one concern with thermal imaging, however, is the inspector should be knowledgeable about determining what he is seeing. If you cannot read the data, don't do it, in my opinion. Right. Um, Let me just jump in here real quick. So I had my mm -hmm. first home inspection in 1994 with my first house. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of going in a little bit in the past with that. So that home inspector came out, uh, it was with a local realtor, and they talked he barely said anything to us. He talked to the real estate agent and um, they had a conversation and then it kind of trickled back. I think the report was pretty bare bones, but we did use it as a, a list of things to do on the house going forward. We were pretty much told the seller wasn't going to do anything in terms of work. So we had to kind of whatever was there, we had to accept. Um, but I know looking back, I think it was an okay experience. She did the right thing by having us get a home inspection. But I think now, and especially with you, I appreciate home inspectors that talk more to the consumer and, and kind of cut that middle person out of, of what they're really talking about. And I realize the consumer can't always understand some of the vernacular, but I, I think that's somewhere we've kind of come ahead too, is that where home inspectors realize that they really do have to make sure there's some sort of understanding of what they're seeing and what that might mean to them in terms of their future home ownership versus just talking to me. And then I go, yeah, don't, no, yeah, don't worry about it. You need a roof in 10 years. <laughs> well, yeah, it used it's to be what it was. <laughs> absolutely. I think, I think honestly, it was more sort of a good old boy sort of thing years ago. And you're absolutely right. It was about talking to the realtor and the realtor probably saying, well, let's just ease up on that language or, and that's years ago now thankfully people have we've evolved in this 
yeah. where we realize it's about getting information to the consumer. The person actually is buying this puppy. <laughs> yes, you're spending a ton of money in a lot of cases, especially out here, as well as it's an emotional and it's an investment for your future and you know, your family's future. So it's it's been very good to see the evolution of this go from that sort of, you know, quiet speak to full-on disclosure. And I, I really am thankful for working with professionals like yourself and other realtors who really get that and say, hey, we, we want our consumers to be 100% informed. And it just makes everybody's life so much easier. Yeah, um, I mean, it used to be really, I mean, we went through the phase. So, so now we're going from just this bare bones report and like you said, pencil and paper and, 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 and maybe the consumer or the client not really even be involved in the conversation. Now we're getting to a little further ahead where they're given a report, still maybe not a lot of understanding on how it works. And then they take that report. I would say this is kind of what, 2006 and seven. And they were taking that report to push back down on the price because the prices were going up so high. Right. And I know they were coming straight at you going, well, is this house worth it? I mean, what were those times like? Well, one thing I thankfully was taught when I first got into this 18 years ago was managing expectations of your client. It's like, wait a minute, I'm here. I'm the messenger here. I'm going to do the most thorough inspection of this entire structure that I can physically get to. I'm not going to tear into walls or break things to do so. I'm not allowed to give estimates nor do repairs. And I use the phrase in my reports when I make a recommendation on further evaluations by let's say a heating guy for an HVAC contractor, I recommend those be done prior to the end of your contingency period because there may be defects that we cannot see just doing that one inspection. We can see that's an older unit, let's say, or something like that, but on a visual inspection, you cannot see inside the unit. You're not allowed to take it apart. So if then that consumer takes the information and follows those guidelines prior to the end of contingency, then they have an actual number if they want to negotiate with. And I, I just think it's the smartest way to go. Um, it, it, it was when I first started in the industry, I actually had a realtor ask me, you know, hey, would you mind going through this and with a little bit of blinders on? I said, I'm sorry, I hired the wrong guy. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that, you know. So, like I said, it's, it's thankfully evolved. And it's, I think the industry is very strong and it's, it's growing, which is a good thing. Um, I always want to have my clients there, at least at the end of the inspection, if they can be. If not, I welcome a phone conference. Um, you know, whatever we can do, sit down with both of us, have the reports and have a discussion. Going back to the property is, I'm, I'm usually so busy that it's difficult to do so, but if I can, certainly we can do that. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's about getting these people information, you know, getting the clients information and 99.9% .9 of realtors want and appreciate that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, we could just take a whole uh, off-ramp or on-ramp on uh, the quality of realtors and, and how they've changed and how they look at the home inspection. 
You can do the same with inspectors as well. <laughs> I think they've gotten better. I don't know if the training's better or, um, I mean, I think oh. all the, the pre-reports I've been getting lately that, that, you know, the buyers, cause we get them, we get them ahead of time. Now we don't go get them very much anymore. And you know, buyers are asking, is this a good inspector? I'm like, yeah, they're like one of the best. And then, you know, the next day I'm looking at someone else, another report. I'm like, yeah, they're one of the best. You know, like I just kind of come across a lot of good ones. Well, thankfully, you know, with, with being here in California, we have what's called CREA, which is California Real Estate Inspectors Association. And then we have a, a, a national organization called ASHI, which is the American Society of Home Inspectors. And there, there are affiliations that required you to have, as an inspector, continuing education. These systems in these homes are getting more and more complex. And if an inspector is not up to date on these things, for instance, I'll, I'll give an example of, we're using this stuff called CSST gas tubing. It's coated stainless steel tubing. It's, it looks like a yellow tube and people are hooking up gas fire appliances to it. There's two different types. There's a little tiny one you buy at the hardware store. That's a different unit. I'm talking about a larger gas pipe. Um, we have found that if a light, if this is installed without the proper bonding and without going to electrical stuff, that if there's a lightning strike at or near the residence, all that energy is flowing through the structure. If this bonding is not in place, the, the energy from that lightning will perforate that gas tube. Now, we just started to find this out. This stuff's been being used for years. And with like the lightning storms we had last year in California, there were pipes that were perforated and across the country. So again, having continuing education ensures the purchaser that this inspector should be up to date on these sort of items because they're being installed very quickly. You know, it's, um, and if, you know, we go, building materials are changing at an amazing pace. Uh, in California, we have the whole energy, it was a Title 29 energy codes. And that's, you know, in, well, it's, in California, we are two or three years behind the nation in our code, and we're two years. So right now we're building to the 19, 2019 code. So we're two or two years behind the code cycle, and we're three years behind the rest of the nation. As far as the code a report when something's like not to current code, what well, How that's why, it, you know, the homeowner for code that's not even being, it hasn't even gotten here yet. Well, that's just it. We, as a, as a home inspector, we do not do code compliant inspections. We, because they change and we don't know, you know, the house, if the house was built 20 years ago, obviously it's not going to be today's code. However, if a remodel has been done and the water heater is not strapped, we know it's a code violation. So for, strapping of water heaters, carbon monoxide detectors, smoke alarms. Yeah, that's a code issue that's very plain to see. Building practices, however, um, that are hidden like behind walls, which are required today that weren't 20 years ago, we can't see. That's why these cannot be code compliant inspections to a degree. So I hope that makes sense. It's, well, I, I think there's always that problem. Like I, I, I showed a house this week where I showed two of them. We can't find any permit records for it. Mm. So despite the, them wondering if the county's going to come back and say you have an illegal structure, I was like, well, it's been there since 1964. They've had a lot of opportunity. I wouldn't worry about that at this point. But, I mean, all we can do is 
have somebody look at it and tell you if the house is safe. But again, you can't see in there. And but we, I guess it's that whole other conversation of do permits actually make a house safe? I mean, I've we've had some real wonky guys come out and look where my husband says, wow, it's too bad that guy didn't really know anything because he would have noticed this, this, and this, and I knew how to get around him. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. yes. that code compliant versus, uh, is it safe? So I guess, I guess my question is really, when you go to a house, could you just say, look, this is basically what I would not consider safe. This is what I would consider safe and, and, and permits and codes kind of are over here. Yeah, and you're right about, I, I recently inspected a structure in Marina that had given, been given a certificate of occupancy. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. You yeah, you stopped moving, the camera stopped moving. Um, oh, it did stop moving. Yeah, you're frozen in time. Uh-oh, that's okay, we're still... <laughs> yeah, no worries. So anyway, the house had been given a, a, a certificate of occupancy, however, the exhaust pipe for the water heater located in the garage had not been installed. So every time they turn on the hot water, they're putting combustion carbon monoxide into the garage. So how did that get passed? Who knows? Did the inspector? So, you know, people are really human. I understand that. That's kind of a biggie. However, the benefit of pulling a permit for construction is that hopefully you have some educated eyeballs on it. And, um, you know, they're doing their jobs and they're coming at various phases of construction. Oh, electrical looks good, you know, framing looks good, plumbing looks good. But always remember, codes are the least common building practice. Oh, That's no, 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 wait, wait, well, stop the presses here. What do we got yeah. here? Codes are the... The least common building practice. So in other words, this is the bare minimum you have to do for this to pass code. So right. that reminds me, just to just to jump off here yeah. for a minute. Oh my gosh! Remember that brand new house you inspected for me years ago, and you turned on the dishwasher and it squirted water across the. Yeah. But, they, but they did it backwards, yes. right? Say it again, please. What did they do it backwards or something? I think they hooked it up to the. Well, yeah, there. What it is is the discharge pipe goes into a garbage disposal, and right. in the little tube on the garbage disposal, there's a little disc you have to tap out or the water shoots out of the anti-siphon valve on, or the drain line was clogged. But yeah, so, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like, again, I go in homes all the time. There's a lot of remodeling going on, as you know. So I'll go into a house, the hot and cold lines are reversed. Is that a code issue? I don't know. It's just poor construction, maybe. It happens or, so much. That's very common. Mm -hmm. Or I'll go in and check electrical and, 70% of the outlets in one room are wired incorrectly. You know, how did they pass? How did this pass? So, again, I, you know, people are human. We all make mistakes, but you would hope that a code official, building official, is actually going around. And I don't know if their job is to check outlets. I would think so. But At that's least one or two. And that's why I brought up the dishwasher, though. I mean, that particular inspection, that was pretty early on in my career. It taught me brand new houses are probably the, like the they're like the most they're the most needed to be checked almost because it hasn't even been used yet to figure out if it's wrong Yes. and to get it checked and have the builder fix it versus someone living there. They're like, Oh yeah, we use hot and cold and we figured it out or, you know, right. I, I, on a new structure, I would have one done at purchase and I would have another one done at, at 10 months because I believe it's 12 months that the, the builder is responsible for all defects. 
Okay. Um, so in fact, then you come back again in 10 months and you, you know, now that basically the ship has gone through its maneuvers and people live in the home, they've run water. And then you go back, let's say under the structure, look for leaks, you know, things like this. And you have an independent third party document to give to the contractor or the builder. Uh, as opposed to the homeowner who they think is some emotional person. It's not, it's just an independent third party, which one thing I do want to say kind of backing up here is that as home inspectors, we have no vested interest in the outcome of this sale. So we are and should be an independent third party. And there's some people, that are, yeah. no, no, there, there, there are not. There, there are guys out there who I think are not, helping out their clients no. you, you you know i have no like i said i have no vested interest in the outcome of the sale and my my reports i try to be as black and white as possible hey yes this leaks we should have it repaired here's what's going to happen if it doesn't leak if we don't get it repaired excuse me um this was wired incorrectly this what is the possibility of this let's get someone in here you know it's black and white and when you can support those things with photographs Kind of hard for anybody to refute, you know. Uh, I was in a. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The pictures are so key, though, because we we use them for all sorts of things. I can mm -hmm. get bids with those. I can sometimes have a conversation with people, and and we can. I mean, especially now that we can't really actually stand there with a report anymore. You know, it's go see mm -hmm. the property, and then you got to do everything online. And the pictures are are just so important. Well, Michelle, for instance, I was in a brand new house in Pebble Beach. And I noticed as I was walking around the house, there were only maybe three or four of the vents for the sub area. So when I went into the crawl space, they had poured what's called a rat slab. So on the dirt, they poured a concrete slab just to seal it, encapsulated the crawl space, which is great. However, when the concrete cures, it, it, it uh, off gases vapor water. And with the ventilation being minimal, the, the, the floor insulation was ringing wet, right? So this place was like raining inside when I'm underneath the house. There's water droplets coming down. And we're building now with what's called OSB, which is oriented strand board for framing members and flooring. And it's basically glue and, and dust, you know, wood chips, but it does not tolerate water. So this structure being weeks old, maybe a month and a half old, was already starting to show signs of mold and deterioration to the framing members because of that ventilation. Mold issue too, right? Because that mold is just breeding at that point. Once, yeah, once it takes off, if it's not caught and remedied, then, oh my gosh, yeah, it's structurally, you can render a house unsound and certainly make it unsafe for people to live in. That must have been disappointing. Was that for just a new, a new home or was that for a buyer buying it from... Yeah, no, it was, it was for a buyer who was buying this brand new house, all excited. And when I went in there, they were like, I, they were floored. And I said, well, there are certain, now here's where we go back to the codes. I said, there's certain design criteria for ventilation. It's one net square foot of venting for every hundred square feet of sub area, let's say. And that includes the mesh size of the vent screen. And if it's inadequate, that those formulas are there for a reason. So it was totally inadequate. So I went back. Uh, they asked me to come back some weeks later after the contractor went and cut. He cut probably 30 more vents, and the condition was gone. It was, everything was dry. They had cleaned off the, the fungus that had started to grow. 
removed and replaced the insulation and it was perfect. So, wow. Yeah. So did again, there's another example. Did they dry it? Did they try to dry? I mean, did they put blowers in there? Yeah, so they cut the vents and then they put fans yeah. at one end, one end of the structure that don't blow in, they pull air across. So, and then they remove the insulation. So then it just cures the issue immediately. I mean, I mean right away. And when I when I first got in, the very first time I went in, I could notice the humidity in there. And the next time it was perfect. But there's an example, you know, going back to how this, did this not get caught by the building inspector? How did, how did this get overlooked? They just kind of go look for the items they're looking for. I don't think they look for the overall. It's like when people have a house that they're like, oh, half of the house is unpermitted and all done this work. And then they say, well, we're going to go get a roof. We want to get a roof permit. Are they going to notice anything else? I'm like, probably not. They'll just come look at the roof and or the, or the phases. But mm -hmm. it, it used to be where I think, it, especially well. I'm going to say it in Santa Cruz County, especially I think that the building officials would come out to look at a roof, let's say, and they would start looking at everything. And, and I think they heard a lot of grumbling about that. So I had my roof done a couple of years ago. They came out and specifically looked at the roof, made sure I had carbon and monoxide detectors like you're supposed to. And that was it. And it was fantastic. So Yeah, I had two roofs where they just came and looked at yeah they came and looked at the framing for the sheathing and then they came and looked for the nail off and then uh yeah the last one they did come in and they did come in and look at the carbon monoxide detector they didn't even notice the the the, the laundry room that was turned into a studio yeah. um, which is fine but then we we got um we we plumbed out a bathroom and a laundry room and we had the shower cardboard box in the backyard and the neighbor saw it and called the county and said we were putting a bathroom in this workshop behind the house. We got this mm. huge workshop and they thought we were turning that into a house because they saw the box. So the county, like the head guy comes out and he, you know, he storms through the place and he kind of rattled my son a little bit and, um, he said, well, do you live here? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you're, you're the owner? And because my, my son's untitled, he was like, yeah. And and he was like, oh, and he looked around and he was like, there wasn't anything he could do because it really wasn't violating anything that they could really pin anything to. And you had an owner on site, which makes it even harder. So that whole exercise and futility might have been why they stopped doing that because they really didn't have anything to really go on. I mean, they could have said you shouldn't have a bathroom there, but we had a, a sewer hookup and we had, we had hot and cold water hookup. We, we, there was no new hookup. That was a legal hookup. So, you know what I mean? I think that's probably a good example of why fishing doesn't always turn out. They wasted a lot of people's time and we had to do one correction and they sent this guy out and my son stayed home from work and everything. The guy totally snuck up, signed some piece of paper and threw it on the door. didn't even come to take a look. <laughs> so, really? so, I mean, I think that's a good example of why fishing is kind of precarious for them. It's, it's time consuming and it may not be what it seems. Exactly. And why not just go out and do what you're specifically tasked to do? We asked you know? for permit and yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but, go ahead. Well, as, as far as the inspection industry goes, you know, we, 
we talk about home inspection, you know, we're all human, so everybody makes mistakes. But but as a that's what kind of goes back onto managing expectations. If if a home inspector, like if I go into a sub area or an attic and I cannot physically fit in somewhere without trampling over heat ducts or causing damage, I'm not gonna do that. And I'm gonna state that. Show a picture. Could not physically fit in this area, you know? And it's okay to do that. It's preferred. And I've been in many, many times in crawl spaces where I've seen the damage of someone trying to be a hero. Um, of course, you never want to be complacent and do the best you can, but to do so and cause damage is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, uh, again, you want to do the best job you possibly can do, you know, and you're only there a short period of time. Another, one of the things I get asked often is about earthquakes. Oh, no, get, coming up. no, no, no. It's a thing. You know what? Uh, insurance companies now, when they call to ask about insurance, they're asking if they want earth, earthquake insurance. It's that's why it's. Coming. Oh, so they're calling in because and we're making them call the insurance people beforehand, like way even before you get there, because we have to figure out which houses may not be able to get insurance because of the fires. And I'm getting this earthquake question every time now. And I realized it's because they're, they're trying to add that, Hey, we won't protect you in a fire, but how about an earthquake? Okay. Because it's like, if, well, this house withstand an earthquake. And I said, well, describe the earthquake. You know, I mean, if, if the water heater is flying across the room, it's time to go. So, you know, it's a, I, thought, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, what's the answer? I mean, you'd say depending on the earthquake? Is that? Is of course. It, uh, well, you know, if, 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 if it's another Loma Prieta, I mean, we don't have any idea way to predict, predict that. Um, I do tell people, like, uh, you know, some of the larger water heaters, they have three straps. In some areas, they're required. And, and I've been asked, like, hey, water what? heaters in houses inside living spaces, that just drives me insane. That is, well, just, it's so scary for me to have that thing with gas hooked <laughs> up <laughs> to it and lots of water inside the house. Well, it's funny you say that. I was just in a house yesterday where the water heater was located inside an interior closet in a laundry room and the drip pan had two inches of water in it. So luckily it had a, a drip pan and a discharge pipe because had it not, no one's living in the house. This, this house would have been flooded because it was just leaking away. And underneath the house was smoking wet. So yeah, not, not always a good thing. But yeah, people ask about the earthquake thing. And I say, well, you know, if an earthquake is strong enough for that water here to tear off the wall, let's say, and rip through the strapping that's hopefully done correctly, maybe the last of your concerns, you know, it's probably a pretty big earthquake. Get out of the house. Like, you know, but it, 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 it's, it's interesting how things are evolving. You know, mentioned the whole climate thing. Um, during the fires here in Ben Lomond, I was, we were evacuated. And right. when we came back, my neighbor who lives behind me is a realtor. And we were talking over the fence and he said, I got a phone call from my insurance company saying, we're not going to be renewing your fire insurance. Yeah. I mean, they hadn't even finished putting the fires out, but that's a whole different story. But yeah, things are definitely changing here in California, everywhere, really. Yeah, and insurance is like one, it used to be kind of like a week before close of escrow. We'd be like, oh, call your insurance, you know, we'll get that. Now it's like, call your lender, 
you know, read the inspections and uh, call your insurance company and have them look at this address even before you write an offer, which is something mm -hmm. I advised before. Um, I had a question about water heaters. Oh, what was that? Oh, I know. This is something talking about permits and codes and all this sort of stuff. I see so many water heaters put in by what I deem reputable companies in town and they're not strapped correctly. What is that? It drives me crazy. There's this name on there and I'm like, I have had you to my house helping us and you can't, I mean, like it, it's just, it, it flunks me. I can't even understand how they can get away with that. I, I don't know. Again, I, okay. So how many times have you probably heard this from a contractor, plumber, whoever saying your home inspector should have seen me? I've heard it a lot. <laughs> and my standard answer is, well, if there were great contractors, you probably wouldn't need me because oh. the water heater would have been strapped. The electrical would have been done correctly. So let's not go there. You know? the next episode, Home Inspector versus Contractor. It's weird. It, over the years, you know, it's, there's, it's gotten a lot better. There's not as much chest thumping and that kind of thing, you know. Um, but yeah, Michelle, no, I see it all the time. I, I see everything. Oh, all these things all the time, and it just blows my mind. <clears throat> you know, you go back to the permit process. You're supposed to get a permit to change a toilet here. Anything, yeah, just about anything, really. Mm -hmm. So how many times, though, has, have you seen trucks pulling out of Home Depot with water heaters in the back? <laughs> and it's not a plumber's truck, you know? Well, yeah, I was talking about the ones that are labeled, but yeah. I mean, yeah, if, no, I gotcha. if you put your name on there, you, you should... You, yes. should tighten that. you should tighten that up. That is true. But yeah, I mean, you know, I see a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff in houses. Uh, just mm -hmm. lately though, I, I, I feel like we just, you know, we have so many different houses and so many different ages on the houses, but we, I feel like there was a, a roofing contractor that was going through a neighborhood at one point because I'm just seeing houses over and over again where the roof, the roof's done, fireplace is done. Mm -hmm. And I, the fireplace kind of made more sense with the earthquake. They kind of lasted as long as they were going to last. And this is probably it. But the, the commonality of the stuff that I'm seeing that's outdated is getting to be just a high point. And then there's always the home inspection. If there's not a dirty uh, heater furnace or if there's not a, a reverse polarized outlet or switched hot and cold. I feel like... Well, obviously, this home inspector doesn't know what they're doing because <laughs> got to find one of those things. Oh, or the uncovered junction box in the uh, in the basement, uh, the attic. And I and I talked to my husband about that because he's an electrician. And I said, "Why is that?" He goes, "Well, you know, we get up there, we're doing all that work, and we just get tired of it. We don't want to crawl up there to put a cover on it." So, yep. Every house has at least one. Every house has every one. It, it's so funny. It's just so funny. So when you talk of roofs and things. So a roof, for instance, it's, it's basically a, a wear component, like a mechanic, like a furnace or a water heater. <clears throat> the design life is only so long. And we see that, like you're saying, often where, because in my reports, when you have a furnace that's over 20 years old, you say, hey, it's towards the end of design life. And we recommend it's either further evaluated or monitored or whatever the recommendation may be. And I've gotten some feedback over the years, negative from realtors saying, you always say this, and why? And it's, it's because we're taught and experience shows us 
that 20 years on a furnace is towards the end of design life. And that furnace may have only been used five hours out of the year, but we don't have any idea of that. You know, we're there for two hours in a certain time frame. So you, yeah, you call it out because it's for the health and safety of the people buying the house. This, inspections are not performed for the agents or for ourselves. It's for the people buying the structure. And what I find too, Michelle, in, in a lot of these homes I do in Carmel and vacation homes where people are only there two or three weeks a year is that the furnace or the water heaters aren't used and they sit static for months and months. The people come in, they start using the systems, they start to leak or break down. And that's another, and, and even though they're, they're well in, in the design, like they're fine, they're 10 years old, let's say, but they've sat static for almost a year, you know? And so it's, Interesting to see these things, especially things close to the ocean. Um, it's interesting to watch how design lives change. I mean, that unit was done after half of its design life, let's say. So. Yeah, and I put home warranties on all the houses my buyers buy because I, I have learned over the years that, you know, that new buyer will use the house differently and they use mm -hmm. systems differently. And the hot water heater is the most common. Either they take longer showers or they're doing a, the dishwasher more than that person. And the hot water heater inevitably always goes out or the furnace, they just yes. differently. And it's just that little thing that was hanging on with that previous person that just yeah. decides we're going. Yeah. Yes. Um, Again, like I said, I, I do a lot of homes that are vacation rentals and, or vacation homes. And it's amazing. You know, the windows that were fine the last time we were there now no longer open, uh, you know, because they're close to the ocean. There's just a lot of influences that come in. And, and if, a, you know, houses are meant to be lived in and they sit static, things happen. You know, you get, you get asked a lot, you know, what, will the plumbing leak? Well, it could. It could, you know, it could leak 30 minutes after I leave. You know, it's, it's another, again, going back to managing expectations, we're only on site for a couple of hours or so, plus or minus. And we're, we're reporting on the conditions at the time of inspection. And you know, as you know, you can, you can walk out, lock the door, and the water heater will break. Or one of the rubber lines for the clothes washer will pop and flood the house. Well, don't forget, we're always kind of moving too. That's what people don't realize is that I notice mm -hmm. we're always kind of got a little action going. I notice it more mm -hmm. at night when I was, you know, going to sleep and it's still. So that's the other thing people don't realize is that I, just lately I've been saying, um, we're on a living planet. Things keep moving. It's like <laughs> people like static and it's just, we're just not in a static environment. And, no. And it's not just the ocean. I mean, we're just trees root up or, you know what I mean? Like things are just kind of moving. And well, one of the I, We had solar panels put on here a couple of years ago now. And one of the interesting things was they came out and they looked at the design of the rafters in the attic to make sure the solar panels can handle the wind load because the wind gets underneath them and wants to pull them off the roof. So remember the windstorm we had here I don't know when it was, eight months ago, six months ago. Yeah, we had a good one a couple of days ago. Yeah, so I'm laying in bed listening to doors slam and garbage cans roll down the street wondering if my solar panels are going to be flying off the maybe, roof. Maybe you could just, your house could fly. <laughs> maybe, yeah. you know, going to Nebraska or wherever. 
Yeah. I, I, it sounds to me like you, you almost have the opportunity for a whole nother business really of just a, a yearly maintenance check where you just go in and yeah, the house is good to go for people who aren't in the house that much. Well, yes. I mean, so many, many times uh, you go into a home and it's like, if this leak were, was known six, eight, 10 months ago when it first started, we would we'd be repairing one piece of pipe as opposed to replacing a bathroom floor. I think it behooves everybody that owns a home to get it inspected at least every other year, at least to a termite inspection. Yeah, termite is good too because of the water leaks, they usually. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, water is the most destructive force, really. Well, fires aren't so good either. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, a leak, like I said, a leak in a, a copper pipe can just do an amazing amount of damage. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's, um, it happens a lot. So I don't think I have any other questions for you. You have any other things you want people to know? Well, yes, I, I do actually about home inspectors. I would give, I would, I would recommend if I was hiring an inspector that he or she be the certified ASHI or CREA or, or affiliated inspector that tells me they have continuing education. I would not be afraid to say, Hey, are you insured? Because you're going to be climbing on my roof and that ladder of yours is leaning on my gutter next to my very expensive Mercedes, which I don't have, but if I had one, that's what I would do. You know, so are you insured? I would ask my inspector that. I would also want to know, you know, exactly what they're going to do. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go on the roof? You know, some inspectors don't. Some inspectors, you know, are you going to test the smoke alarm? Some inspectors don't. So... As a consumer, ask those questions. I mean, you ask, I mean, when you go get your, your haircut or whatever, you ask a ton of questions, you know, then and don't be afraid, I guess, to ask the get a haircut. You know, <laughs> don't be afraid to ask the inspector, you know, exactly what you're gonna do. And then I would let him do his thing. Just leave a person do their job and say, please, afterwards, let's talk before you leave and show me what you found. I have had, I'm gonna, for instance, three weeks ago, I was in a very large home. The buyer could not be there, but his father, the engineer, I think with a very, with a very, what sounded Russian accent was there. Where this is going. And I could not turn around without almost running into this individual. He was in my back pocket. Finally, I said, sir, I, I appreciate you your wanting to understand what's going on here. I will do my best to explain this to you. However, you're in my way. <laughs> you know, you have to be, you know, as an inspector, you've got to sort of set parameters. Now, he was good about it until I got on the roof and I turned around and there he is. Oh, no. I said, man, I can't have you do if you do that. The, so we did the inspection and the last part, I'm in the sub area, which is huge and it's fully finished. Again, it's like a mini basement, but it's very short. And I go way in the sub area and I turn around and there he is. <laughs> so I said, okay, there's no shaking this guy. But so, and back to the original point is let your home inspector, he or she let them do their thing and then talk. I mean, an inspector should be willing to give you information. It's not, it's not uh, a black mark if they find something wrong. It's like no one's doing anything wrong here, you know. And 
so, you know, it used to be where some agent would be standing there wringing their hands hoping you didn't find anything. And that mentality has gone 180 degrees. It's like, I want you to find everything possible that we need to find that's pertinent. You know, if, I mean, if there's a, a crack in the concrete, that's insignificant. We really don't even know that's cosmetic. However, you know, if there's something else that a larger issue, we need to know about it. Um, yeah. But in our market today, it's more about, okay, this is what, this is what you're going to deal with later. Cause you're not going to get any leverage with the seller for it. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. Um, so you're certified. I, I can't remember the acronym and then there's ASHI, right? There's CREA and ASHI. I'm a certified ASHI inspector. So you carry insurance. Yes. Has there been talk of having you guys be licensed? It bumps around every once in a while, and thank God they keep shooting it down. Um, do we really want our home inspectors being licensed by the state, the same people that bring you DMV? Well, I'm licensed by the state, so I don't know. Right, but that's, think, that's true. I think the only reason I would say no is only because, especially in my industry, I still feel like it's just a revenue-generating operation for them. I don't feel like they really, I've seen some stuff done that the people still have their license. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not for it. I was just curious. Well, that Michelle, and then basically the inspection gets dumbed down to a form provided by the state, right? You think so? I, I do. I, I do. I think that it also maybe takes away some of the incentive incentive for educating yourself further, like, like offering other services like thermal imaging or drone photography. I recently used my drone to drop over the cliffs on, on East Cliff to look at the erosion below the home line. And I, I mean, I don't know what would happen um, if, if the state got hold of it, but I do agree it would certainly be a revenue gathering source. Yeah, I mean, I'm not here to bag on the state. I was just kind of curious about that. Yeah. So licensing, it gets kicked around every once in a while. We see Texas is licensed, for instance. So when they come to the, the association conferences, it's interesting to, you know, they're all just sort of cookie cutter, you know? I don't know what separates you from the other guys. And I don't know that a whole lot about it, but it just seems to me sort of standard. Oh. I think that good, healthy competition is, you know, is, for people to get out there and be better, be be more educated, educate yourself constantly, go to meetings, go to seminar, you know. Uh, there, is a, there is a lot of really good continuing education programs that are constantly, you know, with the whole Zoom thing, it's really helped with that. Zoom. Um, so what funny story you got for me? What's the craziest thing? Why does this keep doing this? Well, I, <laughs> craziest thing. Cra I don't know. I've had some weird things happen. I once was doing an inspection for a very good real estate agent where I went around the backyard and, the, and I wanted to look over a fence and there was a five-gallon bucket sitting there <laughs> with a lid on it. So I thought, well, I'll just step on this bucket and take a peek over this fence. And when I put my foot on the bucket... It, I guess it had been sitting in the sun for a while and my foot went right through the lid and it was a bucket full of fish emulsion, which is a very insanely smelly fish fertilizer. And it went up inside my pant leg and in my shoe. 
And basically the whole neighborhood stunk for a couple of days, I guess. I was embarrassed. So, you know, that kind of stuff happens. We're all human again. Um, <laughs> knocked on a door a month or so ago and very nice lady answered. And unfortunately she had forgot to put her towel up all the way. So it was a very interesting, like, whoa, good morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, speaking of Zoom meetings, we had a Zoom meeting not too long ago. And I guess one of the people in the meeting did not realize that we could see them. So this, again, she pulled her shirt off and started taking her shoes off. And uh, it was an interesting thing. So I, I guess those are kind of amusing anecdotes. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's just the human element of the stuff that we see. I, I was just thinking of something funny that happened the other day. I can't remember it today. There's just so much stuff that happens. We just, we, we see so much or you know, yeah. a dog. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a lot of my stripes. Um, the market's still hard to get a handle on, but but some of the, the basic human stuff is pretty consistent. Well, do you see, what I'm seeing too is a huge influx of city dwellers. I mean, yeah. getting out of the big cities since COVID. Yeah, I was going to mention that what we also see for your comments on vacant houses or left empty houses is they're coming in and they're not airbnb them and they're not vacationing rental them that more than likely not even really letting other people that they know stay there. So I think the, mm -hmm. we're going to see a huge increase in vacant houses, which I don't know what I think about the rental short-term rental industry. I really don't have much of opinion on it, but I, I do have an opinion on vacant houses. I think that they're just blight on a neighborhood. I think they never really serve a neighborhood. A bad neighbor is a bummer, but it, a vacant house is, it's, yeah. it's a nuisance. And it, it just kind of creates a void. We have one on our block. We call it the monster house <laughs> because it's just this big house with this bougainvillea that's grown over half of it. And they, they take okay care of it, but you know, we've had homeless try to break into it more than a few times. They put up a fence to stop that. They leave garbage cans out so people use the garbage cans. People park in their driveway that we don't want them there. You know, it just. No, it's an attractive nuisance. I mean, it creates issues for the rest of the neighborhood. It's in a blight, you know? So I would, I would, yeah, the city dwellers, yeah, they're coming. And that's the other thing, too. I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a, a short episode after talking about the we don't, we're still not sure if we're just the flavor of the month i mean santa cruz is a great place but it it does have its limits i mean we have we have service issues in terms of stores and and some of the things you can enjoy in bigger cities and we are we've got traffic like yesterday i don't know if you were around yesterday in town holy cow they, practically the town was shut down because two county projects we're done on Soquel Drive and they didn't talk to each other. So they oh. shut down a main area in town. So there's me getting into Santa Cruz and how somebody was clearly not doing their job. And there's, so there's those limitations versus say San Francisco, there's generally an out, right? There's big enough town. You can figure out how to yeah. go away. Here you just get to sit there and wonder how long you get to sit there for. <laughs> you bring a lunch. Yeah, it's so I, great for that. I, 
I am doing many, many more inspections though for people getting out of the cities. And what's interesting is like we talk about these houses near water that are they're maintenance heavy structures. They require to be maintained, lived in, serviced. And some of them have been allowed to dilapidate a bit. And and these a lot, a lot of a lot of folks are younger and they're quite affluent. And it's like they just don't either they don't have a clue or they just don't care. It's like, okay, great. I found, for instance, I found this one deck on this, on a slope that was probably, it was, I mean, it was a huge deck. It was structural, uh, had a lot of structural steel going back to a cliff. And it was going to probably take you upwards of $100,000 to repair. It's like, okay, great. No problem. You know, and I, and I, and I'm wondering, are, are you understanding me or are you, are you, I guess you have enough money where this doesn't matter to you. I, well, I also, yeah, Ellen and I had a conversation over too, is when I get home after I see a house, because I kind of, there's home owners and there's home like kind of livers. They just live in the home and, mm-hmm. and they don't really understand that the care and that it takes, there's always something that needs to be done, unfortunately. And and there's a lot of places to play here. So I have to yeah. buyers, they're, they're here because they want to, they want a mountain bike. They want to surf. They want to walk, jog, you know, our house is not always a priority. Um, but as far as if they understand it, I, I'm not really sure. I, yeah, I have sold a few houses in the last couple of years to people that it was just like, I was actually a listing agent on one that needed, uh, needed a new deck upwards of 150,000. They put in a new driveway. They haven't touched that deck. I wouldn't walk on that deck. And that's the most amazing view, but they got a, they got a new driveway. I was like, okay, yeah, that's, it's their house. They can do what they want, but it's interesting. Yeah, well, certainly back, you know, to, to the, the home inspection industry, you know, we talk about decks a lot and where we live and deck failures are a huge topic with us in our industry meetings. Oh, interesting. And again, as an inspector, you better be up on the types of building materials that are being used, the types of uh, construction fasteners that are being used on these decks. Um, we found, for instance, that pressure-treated lumber, if the proper fasteners aren't used, will deteriorate the steel in the fasteners. Um, so it's very important. So it goes back to the consumer about talking to your inspector. Make sure they're educated on, on these things, you know. And it, they should be if they're affiliated with an association because you're required to have continuing education units every year to maintain your certificate. So it's really, it's just so important that people are up on what they're doing. Um, like I said, the systems are changing all the time. They're not getting less complex. Uh, I think a lot of it is a bit, some of it is a bit misguided as far as, you know, they really want to phase out gas-fired appliances, especially, you know, they're already doing that in some cities. Gas-fired? So oh, gas. Oh. They, they want to go all electric. We don't even have time for fireplaces, though. Well, the thing is, we have a failing electrical grid here in the state. And to put more pressure on it, is that such a great idea? And when the wind blows and they turn off my power for four days, does that mean I can't start my generator? So, come on, guys, help! <laughs> okay. Again, as a home inspector, it just behooves you to provide the greatest service you can to avoid any litigious stuff, of course. But to to educate your clients, to stay educated. So, if any inspectors are out there listening to this, stay educated, you guys. 
and girls. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, to under, we're just trying to get them to understand what they're buying. It, you know, like I said, there was a couple different facets at it first. It was first, it was mm-hmm. kind of a list of stuff to do. Then it turned into a way to beat up on the seller because the prices were getting so out of hand. And now it's just, okay, I'm paying this much. Well, at least I know what I'm getting <laughs> now because that's where we're at. And even then, sometimes, you know, after the home inspection, talk to the home inspector, we kind of go back and forth with the seller. Sometimes we don't always know. It's still some stuff is just kind of like, well, that was before me. We don't know what they did. Yes. Um, It goes back to remodels too. Um, Some of these remodels I'm seeing lately, uh, on some places, uh, I should say, uh, they're they're just not very well done. Um, And, you know, I don't get it uh, because it's very expensive to do these things. Uh, matter of fact, I was in a house just yesterday in Pebble Beach that had a ton of electrical work done. And in the attic, so we talked about open electrical boxes. I found probably a dozen of those as, as well as electrical connections where the outlets were just hanging in space. They weren't even fastened. And, and not, well, the junction boxes, not the outlets. So it's like, what, what's going on, guys? Where's the quality control here? So as an inspector, I mean, you got to, you really need to be on your toes and, and to look for these things. It's almost like the most important place that you guys go really are the attics and the basements, the places that the contractors don't even go check the work of the people that are working for them. Sure. Say they did it. And, you know, he's always been good before. I'm sure he finished it now. And <laughs> yeah. it hasn't burned down yet. Well, one attic access was literally up three feet above a bunk bed where these kids are sleeping. And right when I opened the attic, there are live wires with wire nuts on them just sitting next to the hatch. They're not in a box or anything. I'm thinking, you know, it's just, come on. It doesn't take that much longer to do it correctly. No. Um, In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you very much for coming on and talk i learned a lot i was not expecting to learn so much i oh, thought good. Well, I'm that. i think it's good to know um it sounds like um uh, not just maintaining your home but also the new uh industry trends and what you guys are finding is really important for people to maybe have somebody come back in or maybe have you even come in and look maybe before and after a remodel that might be a uh, a way to go to to just check on the remodeling work depending on the scope of work if it's stuff that we can see fine right because remember it's the last person out owns it so if i go in and look at a contractor's work and and i can only see a couple of outlets where inside the wall he's buried things you know yeah. but, but we certainly do the best we can as long as that everybody knows you're coming in after the fact i can only see what's here you know I know you pulled permits, so hopefully it's all the rest. (laughs) I hope you pulled permits. Well, Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, again, like I said, we're all human, and everybody makes mistakes. And I'm not here to rag on anybody or anything like that. But, Michelle, there used to be, in my opinion, builders in, in the 50s and 60s who took pride in what they did. And now it just seems to be about how quickly we can get things done. Yeah. So the way I explain it is in the 50s and 60s, we kind of had craftsmen, like craftsmen mm-hmm. houses that were, you know, people put their name on them. Then in the 70s, 
I'd say some of those guys were still around, but they started to get into poorer materials. And then the nineties, they were, I don't know, all geeked out and they were just doing it faster. So they had guys that weren't really trained. They didn't have great materials and then they had timelines. And then, you know, because actually nineties is you, you inspect more homes, but for nineties homes, that's usually where I'm a little more worried than the house that was built in the fifties or sixties. Typically those are fairly solid homes, but there, there are some, there are some eras that I'm like, Oh, we're going to have to check this out and that out. And, you know, I would totally agree with that. Um, cause especially some of the construction materials, I mean, glue and sawdust is, is not always a good thing to use. Right. Not only for structural incapabilities, but because it's always off gassing you know, formaldehydes and things like that. <clears throat> and there, we've, we've heard over the years about the lawsuits about Louisiana Pacific siding and things like that. Family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a and, big debacle on a few houses here in town, actually. Mm-hmm. Great. And, and now we're doing, so real quick, I did a thermal imaging uh, job in Arizona as part of a, a class. And, you know, it, it rains there once a year. And they were finding in these stucco houses, there were horizontal cracks in the walls. So we went there at night after the house had heated up and the sun went down. <clears throat> if the moisture is trapped under the stucco, it holds the heat longer because it's more dense, right? So we're able to hit it with a thermal imaging camera and see these big spots in the siding that were trapped, had trapped moisture because of they were using that glue-oriented strand board siding. And once the moisture got in there, it feeds on the glues and it turns into mold. And again, this is a house that seemed rain maybe four times, you know, in, in three years. It wasn't, a, it was a new tract of homes. Pretty amazing. Um, they're just terrible materials, really. There's always fun stuff to find in there. Mm. Well, I really appreciate your time today. That was awesome. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's good to see you. Good to, good to see you. Hopefully I'll see you in a couple weeks, actually. I'll be giving you a call. Got a few things coming up. Hopefully you have some time for me. Of course, yes. Please give me as much of time as you can. I, yes. The guys that I like, I know. I got to get on your calendars. But anyway, well, thank you so much. My pleasure. I hope it was informative. It was a lot of fun. Hey, thank you for listening. If you want to talk more, Find me on livethesantacruzlife.com, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, or give me a call. My number's in the show notes. Love to hear from you.